what's kind of interesting for me is I have not I have not watched the Harry and Kate piece yet. And my, you know, one of my I won't say resolutions, but one of my things for this year was I was going to do more documentaries than like fiction, right. like watching TV because I do consume a bit of TV in the evening when I'm when I'm done for yeah. the day. Relaxing, yeah. So Harry and Kate, are, have you seen it yet? They're on my list. Harry and Meghan? Oh, I... Harry and sorry. Harry and not Kate. Harry and Kate would be really interesting. Let's just get it started. You heard it here first. Yeah, completely unfounded. That's the cool thing. Oh my gosh! Have you have you have you seen it yet? Though I have seen some of it. Yes, I have. I have to admit, I have seen some of it. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit disturbing parts of it, to be honest. Yeah, um, because you know, there's it's somebody in distress, um, and you know, who's taking advantage of the situation? Where exactly? Where 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 are there layers of the people who are are taking advantage of the situation? But it it, it you, you do sit and watch it. When it's in front of you, so yeah, you know it, they are human beings at at base, yeah. but it's it is hard yeah. to get to to get to a level of empathy that you might have for a no name person, yeah, undergoing similar circumstances when when you consider the elevated places they've been. Yes, um, so it's it's really and I, I think it's a self observation of the fact that there are humans at every you know at every level if you will yeah yeah, yeah well <clears throat> what i what i have watched is um three episodes of kaleidoscope and that oh. flies in the face of my uh documentary not resolution but my my documentary approach for the year but that is a really different way if you haven't if you haven't kept up with that, Netflix has some new show where we're so off track. I'll bring it back. I promise. Netflix <laughs> has this new show where I think there are eight or nine episodes. They're each, they're not numbered. They're, they're named different colors. And Netflix is giving to you those on your service in a different order than everybody oh, else. Gets oh, really? It's unique to you. That's right. Well, as as unique as eight or nine episodes could be, right, around the world. Uh, but they give them to you in different... I love Jerry just took a call during our podcast. So, <laughs> he's very relaxed. <laughs> and he's on anyway, you, you watch it in whatever order you want, but it has to end with the same episode. And it's really out of order. And it's kind of turned its head it's turned watching a series kind of on its head because they're different snapshots. No, everybody's such a I like that. And I guess the whole kaleidoscope thing makes sense. It will, I would argue that Pulp Fiction is the birth of the out-of-order viewing experience uh, that your brain still ties together at the end. I'll buy that. Yeah. there. I think there is a release out there somewhere that you can you can watch Pulp Fiction in chronological order, all the scenes. You can watch them in chronological order. Yeah. Which changes the story completely, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that for a very long time. Yeah, but it does it does raise an interesting approach of people doing things differently. Yeah. Things we're used to doing, we're watching shows in order, we're mixing it up and we're doing things differently. And I guess, Moira, I told you I'd bring it back. We're going to talk a little bit about that today for referrals, right? Very good. Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, man. You'd think I'd have 300 episodes under my belt. <laughs> very good. Very slick. <laughs> All right, well, let's do it. You ready? Yep. Yeah. Here, here we go. 
Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Okay, everybody, welcome to the 355th episode of our Recruiting Community Podcast. I'm excited to be here to, with you today. I am Chris Hoyt, president of Kirk Crossroads. I am your host for the next 20 minutes or so, uh, where we're just going to have a chat with an industry friend or colleague, somebody doing something kind of cool in the space, or who has an opinion uh, that we actually think deserves more ears. Uh, and so if you're with us live, uh, you can comment on the live chat. I think that's uh, that live chat is featured on Facebook and on LinkedIn uh, but we're also on YouTube and Twitter in that live stream. If you happen to be with us and able to chat live, you want to drop something in there, you can ask a question of our guest today or of Jerry or myself. Uh, you can just comment and say hello. And if you feel so inclined, if you'd like to strengthen your network a little bit, go ahead and just drop your LinkedIn profile in there uh, and see if anybody can connect with you. Uh, as a reminder, we are a membership-based organization, and this podcast really doesn't have anything to do uh, with that side of the business, except the fact that we really like to chat with folks uh, sit down and chat with folks about what's going on and, and what's top of mind for them. So this is not a revenue generating uh, effort for us. This is most definitely something we're doing just, just to catch up and say hello and sort of spread the word. So I have a little bit of news I want to spread the word about today. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to bring in Mr. Crispin uh, to spread hey. that word with me. Jerry, how are you? Wow, cool. I'm going to sit back a little bit. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a 50-50 frame, but in a minute, don't worry. We're going to, we're going to share that. <laughs> so I want to share, uh, I'm going to throw us off to the side here. We have a launch today. I'm just going to take about two, three minutes to outline it. And we'll jump in with our guests today, but it would just kill me if I didn't share. Here you go. Uh, we have launched a learning uh, platform, a little mini learning platform, if you will, within Career Crossroads. At, and it's at cxr.works slash learning. This is the page that you'll get. You'll see we've got uh, five courses. Uh, four are currently in development and we just launched the new one. Uh, this week, it is free for everybody through the remainder of the month. So we're pretty excited about that. And I'm going to show you really quickly, if you go into uh, one of these, the Foundations for Candidate Experience, which is the one that we have just launched. And I want, Jerry, I want to ask you about that in a second. Uh, but I just want to show folks, it, it does consist of uh, four different pillars of candidate experience, attraction, selection, closure, uh, and execution. And each of those are delivered by a founder of the candies of the talent board, uh, the Canadian Experience Awards, as well as uh, the current president uh, over at Talent Board, Kevin Grossman. So we have Elaine Orler, Ed Newman, uh, Kevin Grossman, and of course, Jerry Crispin to talk about those. And when you are complete uh, with that certificate, or excuse me, when you're complete with that, you'll actually get a certification uh, that easily, with a click of a button, goes into your LinkedIn profile, and that can be shared with third-party organizations uh, when you are looking to count up hours of work that you've done. Uh, and it's got a unique ID code on there uh, that can be QR scanned and shared uh, so that folks can validate that for you. So, Jerry, let me ask you really quickly your your sort of takeaway. You are the godfather of talent acquisition and recruiting, and uh, we, as we like to refer to you. Uh, and of course, one of the one of the co-founders of the Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards. You had a segment in here. You want to take just a minute to share why this is kind of interesting and why folks should be taking a look at it. And then we'll we'll jump right in with our guest. Well, I think 
you know, part of it is the folks that have been uh, most active in the last 20 years around the issues of candidates, if you will, as a, cha you know, championing the candidate um, experience, if you will, as a critical component in how we should be doing our business in the 21st century. And, and fundamentally, the, this program is much more about what are some of the basics that people really should, the, the seatbelt issues, if you will, that we need to be dealing with, with candidate experience. And then uh, hopefully enough references for where else uh, people can go in order to begin to make a difference in their own practices and policies about how they treat candidates. Um, but I, I do think it's a train that's coming at us uh, more and more because the candidates themselves are gaining power as we speak and are becoming much more, um, uh, you know, critical, if you will, of the recruiting process that's um, more than a few years old. All right. Well, I encourage everybody to check it out. CXR.org slash learning. You can see those. Again, it is free for anybody who wants to take it by the end of uh, through the end of the month. Uh, so you can get in, log in, register, uh, take that on. It's a pretty quick process. It's about one hour uh, in duration. And it's actually, it's kind of fun. I went through it and I knew almost all the answers to the quizzes. Uh, but it, it went pretty well. It's pretty easy to do. So Jerry, thank you so much for, for being part of that and helping to stand that up. All right. So without, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and bring in from the green room. There she is. It's Maura from Higher Up. Maura, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing today? Good. I'm doing really well. Thank you for joining us. I want to point out uh, it is Higher Up with a lowercase p on the end. And I think the title <laughs> might have been my fat fingers when I typed these in and set them up. So it's not Higher Up. It's just Higher Up. So we'll run with that. So why don't, uh, for those who may not know who you are, haven't had the pleasure of connecting with you, why don't you give us kind of a, an escalator pitch on, on who are you and why should we be listening to you today? Sure. Thanks very much. And thank you for the platform. So who am I? I'm Moira Lynham. I am based in Dublin. Um, although I have spent much of my career outside of Ireland, uh, I have had a number of roles uh, global positions in the human resources space, um, in uh, chief people officer roles in Asia, uh, across Europe, um, and originally uh, in Ireland. So my career has been all about uh, developing my approach to leadership, understanding the importance of transformation in businesses, um, and quite frankly, just being agile, asking questions, uh, being relevant, finding, hunting out the problems uh, in in businesses with my colleagues, and then looking to identify solutions to address uh, those in a meaningful way that adds to the bottom line discussion. And that's really what got me here, which is where I'm now currently the CEO of Higher Up, um, which is a firm focused on revolutionising referrals. Um, we believe in, in um, as you just talked about, the candidate experience, Jerry and Chris, uh, we also believe the employee experience in referrals is it's about time that we all got really serious about that and started to change the language and the relationship between employees, their networks uh, and uh, em employers' organisations. Um, I, I talk to revolutionising 
there is a cultural revolution taking place inside organizations as culture is coming to the fore. Um, and we have the opportunity to really advocate about culture from our CEOs, CFOs, CPOs, anybody with a C and, and you know, beyond that uh, in front of them. Um, and advocate culture uh, on the way out through your employee networks, but also advocate candidates on the way back in by using really simple tools to help you do that. And that's what we're doing. So, Mark, let me ask you, I think it's really interesting work that you do, and I love to be the devil's advocate when we get on these to, to make for a fun conversation, but let me ask you, if you ask most employers uh, what, what their employee referral talent pool looks like, right? what do those funnels look like? A lot of them are going to tell you, in the 20 to 30 percentile of traffic is, is referrals. So, so if I'm a big you're breaking up, by the way, Chris. Oh, I am okay. Well, I'll jump out, jump back in, but I'll ask this question exactly. <laughs> so, Mora, <laughs> I will. Uh, so Mora, if you heard what he was saying, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about uh, how you how you see this happening. Yeah. So um, I believe where Chris was going, the the pipeline is about 25% of, ta of the talent acquisition journey. Um, and uh, I, I agree. I, I call it the journey to 30, in fact, in that you have the opportunity to think about referrals as being part of a talent strategy. But most organisations don't actually know what percentage, or many, not most, many organisations don't know what percentage of their strategy uh, is dictated by employee referrals. Um, so they're not tracking it in a meaningful way, but they're also not tracking the experience of referrals. And we live inside uh, large platforms, which is which is very important, again, for particularly for large organisations. And we get a little bit dictated by the KPIs and the platform's requirements. And we need to stop and think about, well, well, what do we need to see from an employee referral? And what does the employee need to see? We've, we've all experienced the black hole effect. I've got a CV. Uh, here's the CV. Has, can somebody uh, help me with this person who I think is really valuable? I know what this team needs today. I know what the problems are. And I've got the person to help us solve it. And it's crickets because nobody knows uh, where where that candidate CV has gone to, and we've solved that problem. Uh, we can we track it for the employee, we track it for the employer, and we track it for the candidate. We give visibility of the job, we give visibility of the performance, um, the payout, the awards that you get for recommending somebody, um, and also you get the chance to advocate. You got to say, which I think is the most. Um, important aspect of, of revolutionizing referrals is the chance not to be seen as part of a data scraping. I'll just send it out at, at will to my network that I'm looking to put my voice and um, my credibility to that candidate and you're bringing that back in, inside the organization. So I see growth from 8%. Sorry, I probably answered very big there. So growth generally 8% to 30%. It's part of a wider talent strategy. It's part of a data pool. It's a lead indicator of information about the well-being, your culture, your employee engagement, um, and your connection with your employees by, by just looking at your employee referrals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm... I, I'm such a fan of the fact that we we have such an opportunity in the 21st century to look at the connectedness that we all have, yeah. and and the difficulty. There's, I mean, there's so many different challenge points 
within that framework. Uh, everything from friends and family uh, kinds of referrals uh, that that are a problem for many companies in, in relation to that, to, to ways in which that connectedness can enhance diversity as opposed to yeah. bias that we often attribute to that. Yeah. So if we're, if we're identifying the, the varying ways in which we, we have those connections to people who might work for us, um, and, and fundamentally, we're able to, to measure that and understand the sentiment on both sides. Uh, we, should, we should be um, increasing our ability to do a better job in recruiting long term. And yes, it should be probably 30% or higher uh, in almost every company. Yeah. Uh, you know. So we, we know, we, sorry, Chris, I'll, and then I'll hand it back. Two things. <laughs> we know that. B two B is fifty two percent of referrals. Um, so you know, business is done on a referral basis on a B two B basis. Why why aren't we thinking about that in the same way in the employee um, uh, candidate experience? And the second thing, SHRM just recently released a report which shows employee referrals are the second source of um, hiring. So. In the U.S., if this is the second source of hiring, why aren't we doing it well enough? You know, why, why aren't we taking the time to really be thoughtful about that experience um, and, and think about the um, uh, improving and uh, being part of, of an ATS platform? As I'm, I'm thinking out, I'm thinking, gosh, now I'm going to have the ATSs coming in and, <laughs> and running modular programs. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for candidates. Uh, and also for employees, um, the power of people, the power of connections. Yeah, well, uh, cool. I, was, I was just going to call out, and <clears throat> I didn't mean to interrupt you, I was just going to call out that originally, you know, we do hear people say 30% of their you know, referrals are candidates. Am I having to say again? Yeah, you're still at it. Oh, man. You're still Seriously, at it. Like, I might be out. I'll, 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 you know. Uh, so, Maura, I would, I would argue that, um, that referrals, in fact, are first. It's just we're not measuring the extent to which that's happening. So, and I'll, I'll give you one great example is most sourcers. So we attribute a sourcer's effort to hiring. One of the basic techniques of any sourcer is to go to the hiring manager and the team and, and look at their LinkedIn connections and then ask for permission to connect to them, which becomes a referral in itself. Mm-hmm. But doesn't get attributed to the to the individual that made made the statement. Yes, uh, this is a person I know or should know, and uh, you can call them on my behalf and talk to them. And and what it what it creates is fascinating uh, uh, approaches. The other is is so many coaches will tell an individual who's a candidate to go to the company and find an individual that they can connect to. And very often that doesn't get counted in the formal referral program. So I'll shut up, but the the reality is we've got a lot of work ahead of us uh, and we're going to need tools like higher up in order to be able to um, be confident that we're making good use of it uh, in ways that we intend to. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a, that's great insight and it's it's the tracking. It's understanding 
the data flow, what's happening inside your your organization. Um, and but because we have to be much more thoughtful about what people want, the shift in the relationship that is taking place between employees and employers over the past 24 months or so, shifting again, obviously this uncertainty around what's happening around us. Um, but, you know, I think as employees, we're looking for something different. We're looking for a different dialogue and a, di- and a different relationship. And you do, in a connected network, you are much more able to help to support people to success, to performance. And the onboarding time um, is much faster uh, and you just don't want you just don't want your network to fail, right? So your your relationship is is very different. Um, but your point is really well made about just you know how do we track that sourcing and, and we need to be better um, at doing that. Let's hear you, Chris. All right, can you hear me? One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry did call out my point. I had another side point. I'm noticing a trend of people saying SHRM instead of SHRM anymore, and it just I'm not I'm not going to get on board with that. I can't because I like the word SHRMy. That feels a little SHRMy, and I can't say that feels a little SHRMy. So <clears throat> that's all the value I have to add to that actual part of the conversation. <laughs> that's very insightful. It does, it does seem to me, though, uh, outside of the Shermie stuff, it, do, it does seem kind of interesting to me that um, for so long, the referral aspect was simply it was just enough to put a link out there. It was just enough to put because I remember ages ago in another lifetime, uh, there was a program with lots of payout mm-hmm. for employee referrals, big, big payouts. And at the organization I was at, um, the, the CEO said he was done. Uh, doing payouts for for referrals. He was done. You ought to be proud to work here. You ought to want to refer people. You shouldn't have to be incentivized. And I remember my recruiting team was terrified at the time because it was 30% of the candidate flow that came in, right? For them to sort of sort of pick from, right? Uh, and when he when he turned it off, uh, there was no change to the candidate flow. Like none. And so for a while, I think we saw a lot of people pulling the, the investment out of that, right, from a reward standpoint. But I think here we are again, we've now, we're now seeing organizations figuring out sometimes innovative ways to incentivize that referral process. And I think to Jerry's point earlier, before I had to do a quick reboot, uh, and the impact that that does or does not actually have on, on diversity and the worries of, of DE&I from a, from a referral program. Yeah, so we have to um, – referral piece is about behaviours. Mm-hmm. And uh, so sustained behaviours will obviously keep it going. And we, again, through COVID, we, with some of our organisations, we saw them switching off. Um, and, you know, obviously everybody went on hold. And the minute we came back on, the behaviours just switched back on. Um, and again, I, I can push that back to that. It's a lead indicator of how people are feeling about working around here. And that's that's a positive. The question around should you share um, by rewarding employees? Um, I, you know, there's some thoughtful discussion that needs to take place around the price of the tag that's mm-hmm. t- attached to the payment to balance the behavior so you don't set up individual recruiting desks. But to that diversity piece, um, what we have seen is quiet networks and so those networks where people um, don't automatically manage their way through the 
potential bias that exists inside the pre-selection processes. Uh Um, It's a great opportunity to navigate and manage manage that in the appropriate way because the organization still makes the decisions, but you can surface quiet networks in um, in a very different way by having platforms that are working or you know referral policies that are thoughtful about the promotion, how they're getting those jobs out to the network. Have they put together a diverse network to send the job out to, or does it all look the same? Um, and are they ch- is there a challenge taking place inside the TA teams to to do this just a little bit differently and and a little bit better? I think a lot of it has to do with our willingness to be much more transparent about the yeah. data we're collecting yeah. and sharing that back into the system. Yeah. So you know if if they've got a, a bunch of experienced um, managers, if you will, who only refer people as old or older than themselves, that could be a problem. But, you know, some of those leaders should know young people. Mm. They should know people who aren't the same gender. They should know people who aren't the same color. So the reality is we, we should be sharing the kind of data that allows us to see whether we're building a diverse referral network. Um, that that reflects us as a society and reflects our performance going forward. So I, I'm convinced that more transparency is is needed. And, and I, I'm a fan of a different kind of incentive where, in effect, you might get some points and then somewhere you pull out a, a you know, uh, a great opportunity for someone. Uh, but that random, that random approach uh, doesn't mean that everybody's getting, uh, you know, a few dollars or a lot of dollars. It means yeah. that someone gets gets a prize somewhere in all of this, and I think that that's as good an incentive as you need. Absolutely, and we, you know, we are we've built a competitions just from a higher perspective. We have built a, a composite competitions um, capability inside the platform, but you know, part of that when we talk to employees, we say it could be cash, but it could be a phone. It could be a charity. It could be something. Think differently. We've think seen differently. a lottery drawing last year. I think for a car. Uh, yeah. One of our, one of our member companies did that for folks who who referred people to come in, and that every every referral was an entry into a into a drawing. Yeah, but understand understand the behaviors you're trying to. You know, what are you trying to drive? And then when you're using all of your tools, are you consistent? in the messaging and use of those tools um, to ensure that you've got that coalescence around. The behavior that I would want to to incentivize for each and every person is visibly telling people who have referred folks who have come in and been successful that that's the kind of behavior I'm looking for in our community uh, uh, of employees of you know sharing with us and with your friends uh, and colleagues and peers that this is a great place to work because that's what we're striving for and and if you know you are referring people that come to work and help us move forward as a company I should be I should be patting you on the back telling other people about you and promoting the hell out of you uh, because that's the behavior I want from leaders yeah. Mauro, would you would you say that? And I hate to get too granular, but would you would you say that if from the programs that you've seen, 
put out there is is it incentives so or is it recognition that you have seen in your experience sort of perform have referral programs performing better like i'm, I'm climbing the ladders because i have you know referred for points or whatever type of recognition that i've referred more hires than anybody else that are successful or is it lottery drawing cash payouts you know that sort of thing like what where's the sweet spot that you've seen it, so uh, it's really driven by the culture of the company, right? Um, and and that's where that culture piece has to be really understood and, and thought about. Um, you in a high turnover organisation, the question we ask is, well, why are you paying it six months in uh, when potentially those people aren't there anymore? So you're running a referral program that they can't access. So think mm-hmm. about that. Um, in uh, d- different type of organisations where you've got high-profiled, high uh, highly skilled knowledge-based uh, workers, mm-hmm. um, there is a combination between the competitions and the cash. You know, because it, you know, we all know, right, in the world that we live in, uh, people are motivated at various stages by very, very different things. Um, and so it is about uh, taking time out to consider the population that you're targeting have they? What have they got that uh, you're either topping up, or do you, or have we an opportunity to do something different? So I guess it's not a one one size fits all. It is. It's about being um, working through what's happening uniquely in in your organisation and and the value sets that you're you're trying to um, deliver uh, to that wider organisation. I, I think that's a great call out. Varies by function, could vary by culture, right? And and the different types of jobs, yeah, that that are being rolled out. That culture issue is a key issue, I think, because I don't believe that referrals are viewed the same way in India, China, and other countries as we view here. Um, And I think in the U.S., we're much more able to differentiate between our family, our friends, and our peers and colleagues who could be doing a better job. Whereas in other countries, in some instances, uh, my face is... my 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 the perception of myself as an individual uh yeah. changes if in fact i refer somebody and you don't hire them then i lose face in in light of all of that um and so fundamentally in some some areas that's a problem we have to overcome and in other ca- countries uh i really have to I have to refer all of my cousins, my family, and everyone else before I refer anyone. Yeah. Um, so because they all need a job. Yeah. Um, and yes, <laughs> uh, to that point. But emerging markets are emerging markets, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, and there's evolution in those markets, and the conditions have have changed. Fifteen years in emerging markets, and and the conditions. Uh, have have changed and you know that face versus family they exist uh, absolutely but they they the emerging markets are always looking for opportunity and it's about how you tell that opportunity and you're still building culture you're still building norms inside organizations and behaviors and you can still manage to navigate through that yeah yeah and i i like uh, what cynthia commented on that um, innovative, yeah. an innovative referral program can help with a great retention. Absolutely. And clearly, as long as performance is equal to or better than the average, that works. Otherwise, I don't want to be retaining those folks who aren't performing. Right. My other uh, you know, thought process 
to that point about performance because we generally tie um, payment to the performance of the candidate who we have made the decision about as being acceptable to our organisation, but we're holding back payment for probationary periods of performance, etc. You've got to also question why are we doing that? Um, why are we tying those two ends uh, together? Is there opportunity to you know, make some shifts, pay some of it up front to recognise or to you know access again because you're it's about trust transparency um, and this this is the behaviour that we want so we have to make some shifts too. Barry, let me ask you: Are you seeing a difference in? I know historically. There's always been a back and forth about where the payment comes from, right? Who who funds the award or who who funds sort of the payout, whether it's the business unit or it's the organization as a whole or whether it comes out of a TA budget. Are you seeing any trends one way or the other, or is it just still kind of all over the place, depending on how, how organizations are built out? It's basically how organizations are built out. So whichever whichever revenue stream you're dealing with, with the um, uh, business unit that you're, you're dealing with will will make the call on where the payment uh, is. But I like the point I think that you're making around talent is not business unit owned. It sits mm-hmm. it's the, the ownership of the wider organization. And why, you know, how, why don't we think about it in, in those terms? Um, so uh, I don't disagree on, on that point. Either. Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy thing to say until, you know, people start yeah. putting money down when you start looking yeah. at the, Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm more concerned about the baseline practices for how we treat both the person who's been referred as well as we refer the person as the person who did the referral. I want the person who did the referral to have some knowledge of the status of what happened. Well, you'd do the same Uh, as a regular candidate, right, Jerry? Like the referral doesn't get extra treatment, right? Well, you know, if the person who's referred, um, you know, doesn't get the time of day, doesn't get any closure, isn't told when, that we're no longer interested in them. Everybody's embarrassed, including the person who did the referral, who's not going to be doing that anymore. Yeah. So, so we we obviously have to tie to the systems and technologies that allow us to track this, measure it, etc. We need to be able to track the sentiment around some of those baselines, so that we know when we're going astray, if you will, um, or, or that we're, we're doing things that enhance everyone wanting to do even more of those referrals. Yeah. And that, I think, is really where the power of moving it from 8% to 30% is going yeah. to come from. It's the transparency, it's the trust, it's the belief. It's there's, you know, we're, we're all proving to each other that, that it's working. We're generating quality candidates. We're, they're being landed in the organization. I've line of sight of what's going on. Um, and so we're, we are huge advocators of transparency um, at, at all stages for, for that purpose. Because, again, you know, that advocacy, company advocacy is what you're looking for from your employees by sharing their networks. Yeah, I, I would argue that the, the the treatment of a referral should be the exact same as the treatment of the, who's not a referral. They should. The technology today says we can do that for whatever reason we choose not to, or or we limit on you know manpower, horsepower, whatever you want to call it. But I would I would give Jerry, I would give in on the fact that your referrals could tank twice as fast, if, if not exponentially, you know, more quickly, if, if you're not paying attention to those referrals, you could kill that program, liggity split, 
Yeah. Uh, but I think that the, that level of transparency is actually deserved by by all the candidates. Yeah. I mean, the only not. thing that is is different, Chris, is the fact that there's a referrer involved and communication with that referrer back and forth is not going to be a, an element in a non-referred, you know, situation. Agreed. But but um, but yeah, I agree. It, it, we should learn from the referrals doing that really well and correctly a lot about candidate experience <laughs> that that we should be transferring some of those practices uh, to the non-referred group as well. Yeah. Well, sorry, let me, oh, sorry. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So it's just going to draw Jerry's point out um, uh, about the referrer. Um, and, you know, let's be really clear, the referrer is your employee and um, that's, you are sending messages about the relationship if you're not managing that in the best way that you possibly can to provide that level of transparency uh, to everybody involved. Yeah. And that you don't want that employee referrer to be the ex employee because of that lack of engagement. All right. I've got, I've got two questions left for you. The, the first one, who's doing it really, really well. Who, who would you out as an organization that's doing the referral process and follow the, the whole kit and caboodle. Who, who's doing it really well? That's really unfair. Who <laughs> 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 for somebody like me? Um, <clears throat> I those organisations. Gosh, because it's so multifaceted, right? Because mm -hmm. it depends by which measure. So if if it's by which measure of of recognition. Um, your, your traditional advisory financial services firms um, are doing it well, but those people who are focused on culture, mm -hmm. who understand the importance of culture um, and are looking to lean into that and really build that out with the employee relationships, uh, those are the organizations that are doing it well. And agile organizations, the, the ones who can make the decisions quickly, who are able to... Um, cut through it, see it very well, and are willing to trust. So I ain't calling anybody out. You, you can pick any aspect of the process. You can't get caught in here. It's worth a try. Absolutely I think, worth a try. You know, we used to, uh, Kirk Crossroads used to take every year data from our members about source of hire. And, and there was many, I used it as a lab because there was so many problems with how you measure source of hire <clears throat> that it uh, it was a little bit wonky always, um, and so I would I would be lab error is really what the report looked like, but but we would out um, our members in terms of those that are between I don't know under twenty twenty to thirty and above thirty. Yeah. And we would tr attempt to bring them together to talk a little bit about the practices that they used at that level. And yeah. you could see distinct differences in terms of how people, you know, were either too casual um, or they didn't have the kind of audit or measuring tools to be able to do that. And, and still, uh, from the last time we've done this, not enough of our members are, are in fact using um, using specialized tools 
They, you know, because because they think they can do it without that. And fundamentally, that's a lot of extra labor and work. Uh, and the whole idea of technology tools is to is to cut through all of that and automate some of those Thank things. You. Absolutely. And then, and then focus in on what you should be doing. So, yeah. And, and what I've seen on that point is the inconsistency of the measurements. Yeah. Um, and actually... Do we actually know what they are? Do we do we really you know have we got really good hold on on some of those key metrics? Um, and and we all know each organisation as well you know have their own set of metrics around which they're measuring. Yep. But you know part of what I'm hoping that that we're doing is raising awareness to have the conversations to start to think about it. Are there a consistent set of metrics that we should all commit to? Um, and then you can build your unique metrics uh, from that. Um, and I think that will be helpful in so you don't have this uh, lumpy data. You start to build consistency around data as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, OK, so Murray, let me let me ask you, if if you were going to write a book today uh, around this topic, what, what would the title what would the title of that book be? <clears throat> um, because it's today, because we're in the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I'd call it quiet revolution. Um, you know, we we have a lot of discussion around hiring, around movement, uh, internal mobility, and you know all this quiet hire, quiet hitting, quitting. Um, these are cycles we've seen uh, in the past. But to me, actually, quiet revolution in the referral space mm-hmm. is that opportunity to make create those um, uh, opportunities for people in organizations and then using your organization, your network in the organization to help to meet those strategic requirements by having this quite revolution around referrals or quite referral revolution maybe. Because, you know, where you, if you've just laid off 12,000 people as an example, um, there's still churn in your organization. You still need to recruit. You don't want to, from a, a, a market position, you don't want to be out in the market saying, we just laid off and now I'm recruiting. Um, but you can use your referrals to, to help to build that quiet revolution inside the organization, build the behaviors, build the engagement uh, with your employees um, and take it from there. So quiet referral revolution. I like there's a lot of quiet, there's quiet uh, quitting, there's quiet firing, quiet hiring, quiet networks, quiet revolution. So there's a lot of quiet stuff. Next, maybe 24 is going to be the year of the loud stuff. Loud, loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We're so gracious. Um, we're grateful for the time that you've given us today. You've been such a gracious host. We appreciate you dealing with our ramblings and some technical challenges. Mm-hmm. So very, very appreciative of that. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Great discussion. You got it. Well, hang in there. I'm going to put you in the green room and I'm just going to share some folks here. I'm going to put you in there with her too. How's that? Here we go. There we go. Puppet master with all the slides. Uh, let's see if I can do a really quick uh, screen share. I'm going to pull this up and share with you. We've got a couple of events coming up. It's uh, You can find this. Here we go. At perfect. CXR.org slash events. This is what's going on for the rest of this month. Uh, if you're with us today on the 24th, obviously, we just wrapped up this podcast. We've got a DEI uh, community meeting uh, that is just ahead for our members. 
Uh, so you can join that on the 25th. On the 26th, uh, our next lecture series, Concentration and Hybrid Work, uh, coming up on the 26th. That's for members as well. And then our next podcast guest, uh, and that is coming up. Let me move that screen a little bit. On the 21st, uh, we have friend Chris Havrilla, who's going to be joining us. We'll do that live stream here as well. We get into February with our campus recruiting meeting. Uh, and then, of course, high volume recruiting, uh, taking us on after that. So I'll just pull that out and tell everybody we're super grateful that everybody was able to join us. CXR.work slash event. And I want to remind you, CXR.work slash learning. It's just launched this week. It's free through the end of the month. Check it out and have fun with that. And we'll see you next week on the show. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Come on.